Capturing the world. Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is David Carmichael II. And before we get into our new episode, I want to tell you about my brand, Capture the World. Capture the World is a black-owned streetwear brand from Hampton, Virginia. Capture the World represents the young generation of creatives around the world. Next step are millennials and Generation Z. What is a creative? A creative can be described as an individual that sees the world differently from everyone else. A creative can be looked at as a leader or a person that influences people with their gifts and talents. A creative uses their gift from God, not for money and fame, but for the greater good of the world. A creative thinks outside of the box and brings innovation in the world. Anyone from the young generation can be considered creative and capture the world, but those people that are ambitious, passionate, and have perseverance are the only ones that can bring their gifts and talents into fruition and capture the world. Are you a creative? Do you want to capture the world? Capture World Apparel plans to provide the highest quality, high fashion, and give a unique look. You can visit our website at www.capturetheworldapparel.com. The world is yours. Capture it. This episode was recorded on November 27th, 2020. Hope you enjoy. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is your host, David Carmichael II, and I am back with another great episode of the Caption the World podcast. I have another great special guest. He is all the way from Belgium, so we're on different sides of the country right now, but it's all good. Um, he goes by the name of Yeron Porthout. Um, I don't know, hopefully, I said that right. <laughs> How you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm doing well. You? doing great i'm doing great so yeron um he is the co-founder and ceo of sales player um it is an intelligent crm built for smbs selling business to business mostly popular with agencies and uh in other companies um so how you doing yeron how you doing today i'm doing well it's uh let's say uh friday here uh end of the day being a bit tired but uh it was a good day that's good. That's good to hear, man. Yeah, it's um, I know we were just discussing the time difference, um, you know, between our countries. Um, in, in the United States, it's about eleven thirty-five here, and I think you said it was about what five thirty-five over there. Yeah, five thirty-five. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. So, um, how how's your day been today? Have you been pretty busy today, or been pretty um, basic? Yeah, lots of different stuff. Like uh, my, my normal days are um, a lot of meetings. Today it was rather limited, so I I had the opportunity to focus on some stuff. But it was a lot of different things behind each other. So next week we we have a big launch. Uh, we're gonna launch a few uh, new pricing plans uh, with cool new functionality and all that. So there's a lot of preparation work to be done there. So that was most of what I was what was doing today. Lots of different parts there that's good that's good man so um i know you said you know in your bio you have a company so um let's just go like a little bit of background before you started doing that um were you born Mm -hmm. and raised in belgium and you know to kind of describe that and then you know growing up and what kind of led you to um develop this business you know what interests did you have growing up and what kind of led you to doing what you're doing now yeah 
Uh, I was actually born in the US, uh, but that from Belgian parents. My uh, my parents lived there for a while, and, uh, and at some point we moved back to Belgium. Um, I'm my parents are originally from the the Dutch speaking part, uh, mm-hmm. so that's where we lived most of our life. But when I was a kid, for instance, we also uh, lived for a while in the French speaking part, close to Germany. Uh, but most of the time when I grew up was close to the Netherlands. Uh, because my dad would actually work in uh, at the headquarters of Philips, which is in Eindhoven in the Netherlands, uh, the big um, consumer electronics company at some point, but now mostly healthcare uh, is left. Okay. So um, my dad is an engineer, like I said, always used to lead research organizations. My mom is uh, an architect. It's much more about creating stuff. Um, and I always sort of, felt like in between the two like i always like technical stuff but uh, especially like stuff also that um was more let's say visual and for people if you know what i mean mm. um at some point i discovered a passion for building websites and that was all coming up it was a new medium in which you could build all kinds of stuff and it was very exciting uh, and i was always good with computers so uh, I started building uh, websites for people. I also really like design. Uh, that was when I was 15, 16. And I sort of figured that I wanted to start a web agency one day. Um, I ended up studying in engineering, just just like my dad. Um, my, my brother actually did the same. Um, I thought initially about computer engineering, but uh, looking at uh, during the open day, it, it seemed quite boring, and uh, seemed like they were all nerds. And the things they were they were showing was also was also weird. So I ended up doing electronical engineering with business management. And in the end, um, I went into biomedical engineering, and then went applying for different jobs. Never really found anything that uh, suited my passions. It was always this pure engineering jobs. And during one interview, at some point, they said like, oh, so you, you want to do something more with customers? Maybe you become a project manager. Um, and then they, they made me do a test and they decided I was not a good project manager. So uh, that same evening, I was very frustrated. And I actually applied for business school because I thought that that would then open up uh, possibilities to actually do something with business you know right, right. Um, and after that i plunged into marketing straight away so i studied engineering but i i went into marketing because i figured it was the the best way of um putting a, a product out in the market with people and all that and because i studied biomedical engineering i did that in the pharma industry uh it turned out to be a very very boring job I was basically taking uh, the brochures they made on the European level and turning them into Belgian brochures in Dutch and French and then mm-hmm. <laughs> teaching the, the sales team how to use them with doctors and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's not at all what I what I expected it to be. Um, then I, I, I had a new idea and I was, uh, again, <laughs> a web agency, but then for the pharma industry because I saw how bad people in the farm industry were with, uh, with building websites. And I knew how it worked. And I sort of figured like, oh, I, I get the pharma stuff now. So. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I thought I'll, I'll bring these things together. 
Um, but I ended up having dinner with a guy which actually had a business like that. And I worked for him for uh, four or five years. And during that time, I always wanted, sort of came back to my passion. I wanted to start something. Uh, I tried a bunch of different things. Um, and the, the, the first, like, you could say successful, actually really successful thing is, uh, is sales for now. Right, right. That's cool, man. That's cool. So, um, so yeah, so marketing, man, I know it's a lot of different things that goes into that. Um, how did you, like, what, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say what different tools and things, you know, you need to know to be a successful marketing company, um, you know, and how did you really learn those things along the way? Like, how did, did people, different people teach you? Did you have like a mentor or like, how did you learn those different, those different aspects marketing? of marketing? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I, I worked in, uh, in marketing, um, first in a pharma company and then, uh, in a marketing consultancy straight from there. And I, uh, did lots of marketing campaigns, campaigns for, uh, different companies. Um, I think marketing by itself is not extremely complex. Uh, it's about understanding very well who your customers are, um, what they want, uh, how they think. And it's, it's basically about to a large extent about scaling sales. So uh, instead of having a conversation with every single person um, and going for their uh, separate needs and then finding a solution for that, you try to sort of scale that. So you, you try to see what is the, um, the, the general thing that people want and generally how would they want to have it phrased and all that. And you start building stuff like that. Um, you could say I had uh, I had a mentor in um, first my my first boss uh, when I was in that pharma company was was definitely mentoring me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then afterwards, when th- that guy that that uh, decided uh, that that um, convinced me to to work for him, uh, definitely as well. Uh, but from there, it's really about gaining experience, I would say, um, because marketing is something that you to a, to a certain extent have to learn by doing. It has so many different possibilities and aspects to it. So many different channels, so many different things like the basics is really about uh, understanding customers and communicating with them and knowing how to do that effectively. Right. But from there, the nuances and the ways of doing it are uh, are enormous. So you have to try a lot of different things, look at how other people are doing things, and uh, never never stop learning and never stop trying things. Yeah, that's true. And um, one thing I've I've talked to a lot of people about this year is about you know learning how to how to adapt. You know how to adapt your business, especially with. Um, you know, the pandemic with the coronavirus, I don't know how, you know, Belgium, you know, how the numbers are over there, if it's better or worse. I know in the, in the United States is, um, it's been like going up and down for a while now. And then, you know, let's talk about business in general. Like, you know, people have been, you know, 
thinking of different ways of how to market their business and how to how to sell because you know this pandemic is nobody expected this so um mm-hmm. it comes with a lot of adapt how to adapt in this knowing what to change you know you know you can't always do things the same even without a pandemic you know you still have to learn to adapt and how to change your way of um marketing your business and just how to generate sales and stuff like that yeah. so so um yeah that's the thing that i've always been talking about different business owners this year so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah a lot of different things changed there definitely um the biggest shift when, when it comes to sales, which is what we mostly enable with, uh, with Salesforce, um, is, is that it all shifted remote, like, like everything shifted sort of remote. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's for many people who are not used to it. It's, it's kind of a big shift because it means that all of a sudden you cannot be straight in front of your prospect anymore, at least. Uh, you can, you can still do it on zoom, I guess. Then right. They're, true. They're, they're sort of like, at least two screens away from you, which which is a whole different experience. People don't really know very well how to deal with that. Um, because in a Zoom conversation, a lot of things can get lost. Like uh, you only see people uh, chest up. Uh, yeah. Well, most of the time, at least. Maybe on their face. So you, you miss a lot of body language, um, which is, in the end, most of the communication. Uh, people are used to certain rituals when they go visit people. Uh, so that all goes away. The good thing about uh, remote selling is that you're way more productive. Like uh, you could fill your day with, uh, uh, let's say, 10 calls or something while uh, having uh, uh, four or five meetings in a row driving around is a, is a, is a huge accomplishment. Uh, you don't have to spend all that time in a car, in, in lobbies and receptions, getting coffee with the guy with which you're going to have a meeting, all those kind of things. Right. You just hop on a call and you have a conversation. Uh, so productivity wise, it's a big game, but it's, it's much harder to make it uh, personable. Um, and there's a bunch of things you can do about that. Uh, I actually wrote a, a whole blog post on that. If you just type remote selling in Google, uh, mm-hmm. chances are high. It's the first thing you see. Otherwise, you type sales flare behind it, and you'll certainly see it. Um, what did I want to say? Yeah, a lot of a lot of our our, our customers have been um, have been having to make the switch, and um, it hasn't always been super easy in them, especially also when um, with the pandemic, their their customer base. Uh, was in many cases also affected. Um, so what I've seen working most is when people uh, sometimes shifted their businesses a bit when they needed to, right. but very often also um, sharpened their targeting uh, to be much more specific about the sort of people they, they approach with their business. Um, because you if if your success rate is slightly lower you want to make sure that you focus on the people uh, with which you can be most effective even more than before um and then implementing some some process changes left and right to to really um leverage the new sort of remote selling and to do that in, in a maximally productive way and personal way 
No doubt, no doubt, definitely agree with um, everything you just said. Um, so let's get back to you know your company, Sales Flare. So how did you end up coming up with the name Sales Flare? You know, that's the name for your company. <laughs> the the name Sales Flare. Yes. Yeah. So um, the 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 sales part is was um, yeah, it's it's in there because. When we initially saw the opportunity, so we said like salespeople are not using a CRM because the, they have to input a lot of data and they don't get a whole lot of return. Mm-hmm. And that's actually really weird because that data is already in other systems. Wow. Um, so we could build a system that pulls it all in, uh, gets the data from your mailbox, from your calendar, from your phone, from your social media company database, all that email tracking, web tracking, and it all pulls it together. Um, and that way it makes it much easier for salespeople. And then we thought, like when we were thinking about all this technology, we were thinking like, okay, in the marketing space, there's already so much. Like marketing-wise, there's so many things you can easily automate and, and there's so much availability to data, but it's not really there in sales. So we said, we are going to create a lot of awesome automation but we're going to focus at all on salespeople because they are the ones who've been left behind technology wise. So, so that's why we put sales in the name. Uh, that was, that was partly to be very clear to ourselves, actually, that we're right. going to focus on salespeople. Um, and then the flare part, um, I was basically looking for .com domains and trying all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> trying all kinds of combinations. And at some point I was like, flare, Oh, I had flare. And that was still available. Everything was still available, like .com, all the, the social media handles, like literally everything. Nobody ever thought about the name Salesflare. Um, and and the story we we invented behind it uh, when we came up with it was uh, that we were going to um, throw a flare uh, into the the black box of sales, okay. like in sales, because there's so little data available it's very hard to see through it and to understand what, what's happening and all that. So we, we would be the sales flare. That's good. That's a great concept. I I love it. So I know you, you were just talking about how different businesses had to gather all the information manually and you created a system that can gather all the information without them doing a lot of work. So, and you call that the CRM. So what does CRM stand for? And I guess, you know, if you can kind of um, give a quick description, how did you end up with you and your business partner or um, your co-founder? How did you, how you, how did y'all end up coming up with that software and what does CRM stand for? Yeah. So CRM stands for uh, customer relationship management. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, it, it's a broad, sort of area and it can mean all kinds of stuff uh but the the most core sort of crms um are the ones who focus on the sales process because that's also what's most core to a business basically you you have a product or service and you sell it you 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 build it you whatever and you sell it uh so sales is very very central um for instance salesforce they also started with a sales system. They didn't build all these other things first. It was first the sales aspect and that it all grew from there. 
Um, we focus on that sales aspect uh, almost exclusively. We have some a little bit of marketing functionality, but uh, it's mostly sales automation and all that. Like I just explained with the name Salesflare. Mm-hmm. Um, what we saw in other CRM systems was exactly what I explained before, is that they were always very dependent on uh, people inputting data. Uh, and that they would always fail at some point because while well, you, your discipline would drop, you wouldn't really feel like filling it out today or you were selling well and you feel invincible and you're like, I don't need to fill this thing out anymore. Right. Uh, and at some point it would always fail. And we, we felt that ourselves when we were uh, selling uh, for our for our previous software company. And, and then we saw the opportunity to to solve that issue. By, by basically making something that would, that would take care of the data input for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we started then was um, very initially, I just basically made uh, an investor deck because we thought we were going to uh, raise money first. Uh, that was very naive, but uh, <laughs> you know, what was so, that was sort of about um, how we were going to... Uh, uh, what 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 the great vision was and how we're going to work towards it and the team and all that. Uh, my co-founder made a made a made a prototype with which we then could go to people and start showing them, like this is this is the way it's gonna work. It didn't do anything yet, just to to be able to spark a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that for a while until we started doing customer interviews to really understand from people. Uh, what it was that they wanted, what the context was, what the best people would be for us to target. Um, and we are, I'm, I'm making a very long story short, but then we started building the software. Uh, we, we tried to get people to use it and, uh, and showed it, put it in front of a lot of people. Uh, uh, always asked like, how, how can we fix this? Uh, what is going to make people actively use this? And, and all that um, until we actually started to get people that that started loving it, and that and then you know, it's all about understanding from these people more and more. Like, what do they want? How can this be better? Uh, and 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 really building from there. No doubt, no doubt. So, are you familiar with um, Facebook Pixel? Like, you install a Pixel on your website, and it tracks data. Um, so I never really knew how they did that. I guess like, um, I don't don't know if you know any background information on that or it's it's the way, you know, cause Facebook pixel, it helps you gain sales too. You put the pixel on your website, then you run Facebook ads and then, you know, the data that the, the Facebook pixel picks up, you know, you can find your target audience and who to sell to based off your pixel. So the way you run your business and um, your software, is it, from what you know, is it somewhat similar to Facebook Pixel? Is it totally different or does it have any type of resemblance, any, any kind? Um, we we do some Facebook advertisements. Um, for us, it's not, I mean, people are less uh, likely than for your business uh, to immediately buy something when they see it. Um, so for us, it's, it's more, a little bit, bit more of a longer game, uh, but we definitely also have a Facebook pixel. And I suppose you first, uh, you retarget people, 
uh, we do that as well. So people come to the site, they look at specific things, and then you uh, you stay top of mind for a bit because they might not have immediately bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second thing is based on that Facebook pixel, uh, Facebook can can find you more people that basically are within your target audience because they see like, okay, these people are, are interested. Then um, these other people might be interested as well. I actually have a theory about that, that it's, it's Facebook says that they're going to find people with the same characteristics, mm-hmm. but what they actually do is um, if everybody installs a Facebook pixel um, and somebody is on the side of your competitor, at, at that moment, like, like, and Facebook knows like, okay, so, so your, your side sells this and, and, and the other one sort of sells the same to a similar target group. Mm-hmm. Then all the, then these people that who are looking at your competitor site will immediately start appearing in your, uh, lookalike audience. Um, because it's, they're basically at that moment buying stuff, which is similar um which which would make a whole lot more sense than to have some some extremely um smart ai looking at all the different characteristics of people and matching them up and that's actually the experience i mostly have like for instance (laughs) i click on a website to buy sneakers right and just after i do that facebook starts showing me all these other websites that sell sneakers yep that's how it goes yeah (laughs) yeah it's, a, it's not based on fancy characteristics, if you ask me. It's just uh, uh, taking people from the one website and sending them to the other one, what they do. Right, just send them different places. I know, yeah, we all been through it. I click on, like, I might be looking at some clothes. Like, maybe it's Nike or something, and I might see, like, five different other um, <laughs> clothing companies, and I was just trying to look for Nike. I was like, I wasn't asked for none of this other stuff, but, you know, I'm a, I'll take a look at it, you know, but... Yeah, like you said, all they're doing is sending people different places based on if it's similar or not. So, yeah, that's how it normally goes. So, as far as your company, Sales Flare, I know you was talking about earlier how in the beginning process you were trying to find different people that needed this um, software and you were mm-hmm. trying to show them how, how it worked. So, and um, before I get into that, how long have you been in business? How long have you been a company? Uh, we've been in business for uh, six and a half years now. Okay, cool, cool. So, you know, the initial process when you're showing people how your software works, um, how much of, you know, how how much how many changes did you have to make to your software, you know, from the first year to your sixth year? Um, was it like a lot of changes you had to make over time to kind of make it better or how did that work? Uh, thousands of little changes yeah mm-hmm. uh we actually have lots of different processes to for all the different types of sort of thing. so we have uh bugs uh things that are broken and then we have uh, big features that we can add like big chunks of functionality we can add but then we also have another type of of, of thing which is we call ux but it's actually like they could call improvements and those are uh, in the initial stages when we started the company would often fall through the cracks because we had things that were broken and things we wanted to build. Mm-hmm. But these small improvements were not uh, taken care of, at least in the first year or so. 
but as soon as we started introducing that, that was uh, that made made a big change because now we could we could keep track of all these small little things in the customer experience uh, and all the small things that people wanted to have added, uh, right. much much smaller than features. Um, and we we've, we've literally done thousands of improvements and bug fixes uh, over the last six years. Great, great. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So how many, you know, how many companies have you, you know, been able to um, get your software to or sell your software to um, for this past six years? How many companies have you worked with? Uh, I don't know the total amount of companies. We have companies that, that come and go, of course, but what we, what we measure is the amount of companies I use at the moment. And we're there a bit over 2000 companies actively using the software. That's great, man. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a great number right there. I love it. So, um, before we wrap this interview up, man, I just wanted to, um, ask one more question. So, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs out here in this world trying to, you know, get their business off the ground and try to mm -hmm. make a living for themselves, man. So if you can offer like one piece of advice to all the entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, um, what would you say to them right now? If you're, if you're just starting to get a business off the ground, um, I would say the essential things are, um, one, making sure that you um, understand what the, the, the very fundamental problem is behind what you're offering or what you're trying to, because then you can actually build a business for the long term. If there's some problem that you feel is not going to go away, uh, then you can offer a solution for that and you can keep offering different solutions for that. So you can build your business on this thing and, and it's, this could be huge. And together with that, it's, uh, it's probably solving that for an audience that you yourself understand, maybe people like you, um, because that makes it so much easier. It makes it easier to find these people because you, they might be in your network, the first ones. Uh, it, it, you understand exactly how they live their lives. You can communicate that way. Uh, and, and you'll, you'll probably be also much more passionate about uh, solving that issue because it's solving an issue that you feel for people like you. And in the end, if you're going to build a business, uh, you're going to be working on it for longer than a few months. So you really need that passion. Otherwise you're going to burn out pretty quickly. Uh, and it, it won't really grow. So these things are, are really important to start with. And then from there, it's about just getting something simple out there, testing, validating, seeing whether it works, really thinking like with the minimal amount of effort, how can I check that this is something that people want and then just keep improving uh, on it from there. No doubt. And I, I like what you said about you have to have passion because I've, talked about this with a lot of business owners as well. You have to have passion because it's not going to take off. As soon as you start, you got to keep going yeah. with it. And as soon as it gets tough, you know, some people like to quit as soon as it gets tough. And if it was so easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. So it's all about just trusting in what you really want to do, trusting in your passion and your, in your business model and just keep going, learning, like you said, learning how to improve your business, you know, throughout the years and just keep going with it, you know? So that's what it's all about. So, um, yeah, that concludes our interview, man. Um, your own, I definitely, uh, appreciate you 
um, coming on the podcast, you know, from Belgium to the United States, you know, on one side of the country to another. I appreciate you and I wish you much success in your business. And um, before we go, do you want to tell everybody where they can, you know, go to your website and your social media handles and everywhere they can find you? Yeah, you can uh, find out more about Salesflare on salesflare.com. So that's uh, Flare is F-L-A-R-E. Um, and you can see the software, you can try it. So anywhere between seven and 30 days, um, because we give you extra days on the trial as you as you set it up further. Okay. Uh, because it, it's much more likely that you'll be successful if you set it up correctly. Just, just to be sure, it's for uh, small and medium-sized businesses who sell B2B, uh, who sell to other businesses. Otherwise, you're, you're probably not a great match for the software. Um, and then uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, just send me a connection request with a message. Otherwise, I have no way of distinguishing you from, from all these spammers out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but include a message and also they connect with you and we can, we can have a chat. No doubt, no doubt. I love it. So um, this is your host, David Carmichael II. And um, like I said before, a special thanks to my guest, Jeroen from Belgium, his company, Salesflare. Make sure you check him out. If you have a small or medium-sized business that does business to business, you know, feel free to check out his software. And just like you said, connect with him and just, you know, find out all about it. And um, I want to give a special shout out to all of our Spotify listeners, Apple Podcast listeners, YouTube listeners, thank y'all for continuing to listen to our show and, um, you know, being in tune with all of our special business owners and all our guests. Um, this is another episode. We'll see y'all on the next one, man. Y'all be safe. Y'all be good. Y'all have a great one. Peace.